Hey fellow elk fanatics, if you're completely obsessed with elk hunting like me, then join me every Wednesday for tips, tactics, and stories on elk hunting from elk hunting legends to fellow DIYers. This is the Rich Outdoors Wapiti Wednesday. Uh, we're just going to hit record and see where it goes. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of catching up to do. Wapiti Wednesday, young Jaden. Jaden, I killed a bull. Did you hear? I heard. I actually saw the photos even. It was pretty nice. It was good, man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. How, what should we talk about? Do you want to like, uh, we could go into my whole story. We could go into your whole story. Uh, we could save my story for last. I don't really care. I kind of want to talk about how your hunt's going because I'm getting like the play-by-plays. Uh, so I don't know. Where do you want to go today? Like, how should we kick this okay. off? I want to hear how your hunt hunting season has gone so far i'll be honest like i mean i might have i've I might have been hunting six days five or six days on my elk hunt um i got a little distracted along the way and i had a sheep hunt in there and i killed I was on a couple of mule deer kills and like now i'm focused on elk so we can talk about that at the second half yeah i feel, yeah i forgot about that you did have a distraction um okay so i'm gonna kick mine off and like, man, dude, highs and lows every season. Uh, I can't believe it's over already. To me, it's like, I was telling my wife, we were at dinner on Sunday night and I was like, it's crazy that we obsess about this for an entire year over like eight days. Cause I don't like, I've rarely had only eight days of archery, you know? And so for me, I'm like, I, it's stupid that it's over. It's frustrating. And I like, want to go back. I like, yep. you know, but at the same time, like, this is what most people have. Uh, so yeah, highs and lows. Uh, I want to preface a bunch of this and say, uh, I don't know if I think you and I talked about it a little bit. Most people probably don't know. It's like, man, I was kind of on the struggle bus and I had told you, I was like, man, I feel like I just need to get a win. Um, the last yeah. three years I've been trying to kill a 350 plus bull. And like, that is like upset, became an obsession hanging out with people who do. And it was like, I got to kill a 350 bull. I got to kill it. And it was like, became this obsession to where. I wasn't hunting elk. Like I kind of have done my entire life. Right. Like, so, you know, calling out, I haven't called in an elk in years, which is crazy to say. And, but then at the end of last year, I was like, kind of had blown up one of my big bulls. And I was like, you know what? The next bull that bugles dies. And so in one day I had like this, you know, go chase elk. Like I, you know, did for 20 years. And it worked and I stuck a good bull and I lost him, which was like just this freaking, I don't know, roller coaster of emotions in itself. But then like you get this like self-doubt of like, man, do I even like have it anymore? And so this year I was like, I still want to chase big bulls. The opportunity presents itself great, but I don't, I have three tags. So like, I'm not here to spend 30 days of bow season and I'm not going to like walk away from good bull. So I was like, kind of going into this, like, I need to just get a win. I need like, uh, you know, get the confidence back. So I go into this year and, uh, so I, I started the seventh. So I hunted eight days. I started the seventh. I go out day one, literally don't find any elk. I think I saw one little group of herd, like so far away, two, two, three miles away. And I was in both of my best glassing spots, like looking, you know, that where I'd left big bulls and not an elk dude. And like, it was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> well, day two, uh, I kind of, I, I went into a different area. I heard some bugles and I like, I, I hadn't seen any elk all morning, but like, I don't know, eight or eight 30, I hear a bugle and I kind of just start following it, but it's going the other way. It leads me to more bugles. There's like three bulls in like this 
let's call it like a trident little uh, coolie. So it was like coolie goes up and there's like three forks to it. And there's some bulls be going in there. The last three years, I wouldn't even got in there because I was like, they sound small. I don't want to like bust anything out. I would have just stayed back and like seen what was there before I, I went in because I wouldn't want to bump anything. But I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go in. I'm going to have fun. And I went in there, picked like the closest one, got within 150 yards, set up, dude, did some calling. And I was going to like do this whole spiel on like this setup because it worked perfectly. But uh, basically I got to like a little knob where it's pretty open country, but they would have to come pretty close to see me uh, set up the decoy. And I was going to do some cow calling and then move forward. I do that set up, I do cow calling. And before I can even move a spikes on me, he comes in. So I'm like kind of just sitting by in the decoy. He goes all the way around me. And like, then he comes back and this is over about 10 minutes. Well, he goes running right back to where these elk are. And I was like, Oh, you know, like not ideal. <laughs> of course the spike runs the opposite direction. So this is kind of like good insight for a lot of people on calling strategy. It's like when a bull, I didn't want to bugle. I'd only cow called. And I was kind of thinking I would be able to call this bull in, you know, it's early, you know, these bulls are maybe probably by themselves and the spike goes running down in there. And so I was like, well, now I, now I kind of got to like cover the story, if that makes sense. So I rip a bugle and then I make some cow calls, like cows running away from a bull and I rip another bugle and the one of the bulls just like lights up. It's actually the one that's a little bit farther away than the one I was trying to call. And he lights up when I bugle. So I'm like, okay. So I wait a minute and I bugle again. He rips off again. I was like, oh man, like I think this bull's going to come. So I rip off a bugle and I move forward. And sure enough, he just comes flying in. And uh, this is the, I, I posted this video, but this bull comes in and as he's coming, I see like he's missing his whole right side's broke off. So I'm like not shooting him. Like he's a great bull. I actually have game cam pictures of this bull. He's a seven by seven. Uh, and he's, you know, I don't know, 300, maybe 290, 300 in there. And, uh, but he's broke off and he comes in It stops at like 10 yards, dude. And it was like, hell yeah. So cool. Just, you know, cloud nine. The irony is like at that moment, it was like, that was enough to like seal my confidence back. And I was like, that was the win I needed. Right. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm stoked. So, you know, he, I take a selfie with him just to piss everyone on the internet off and he takes off and I leave there and I'm like, that was super cool. Well, that night I was going to go back in there and there's a guy, there's a truck parked there and I was like, shit, whatever. And, um, it's raining. So I kind of just drive around. I was like, I want to just try to cover as much ground as I can, figure out where these elk are. Well, I just happened to hear a bugle that night, right at dark, and these, these elk are going pretty good. So the next morning, I kind of know the area, so I slip in there, sure enough, right at daylight, get on these elk, and it's a big bull, like 350 plus. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I found him, he's bugling, awesome, stoked. Now, like, I'm back into like that big bull mode, right? I'm like, I got this, all the confidence is back, and like, I found a big bull, we're fucking killing this ball. Like it's game time. I want to preface this. So that this day was September 10th. September 10th is my dad's birthday. And I've always wanted to kill a bull on my dad's birthday. And I've said that it'll never pass a bull on dad's birthday. Cause I was like, just would love to kill a bull on dad's birthday. My dad killed 16 elk, never killed a six by six. And so like to kill a six by six on his birthday, would be kind of cool. Now I have a three mid three fifties bull. And I'm like, hell yes we're making it happen like we're going aggressive and we're making it happen so that night actually that morning i loop around he kind of as he feeds up over i was getting the wind right he comes over 
cows are super spread out They're Like they're just not acting like a herd. They're kind of just everywhere. Like there's a group over here, there's a group over here. And it was super weird. Um, he was bugling. And I remember like, I was about to get another phone scope video. And I'm like, man, this bull's hot. And I go to get the phone scope on and I can't find him. And I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm like, where the hell did he go? And then he's gone. And I was like, okay, there's still cows there. Where did he go? And so it was like, you know, 8.30 or 9, which I'm like, well, he could have just went down right there. There's cows missing. And then over the next hour, I watched like, basically the cows go in all directions. I'm like, what the hell just happened? These cows literally came together and then I don't know what they dispersed. did. They dispersed, right? And I'm like, that was weird. Whatever. He's got to be right there. So that night, I mean, it's still hot. They're not doing anything in the middle of the day. So I back out, come back in that night. <clears throat> and as I'm coming in, I see a spike by himself. I'm like, okay. And then I see a cow by itself. And I'm like, gosh, there's just elk everywhere in here, but they're not together. Like it's just the weirdest herd dynamic. And then I'm like kind of looping around to get the wind to kind of get a new view of this. He's on this knob, should be. And and like all of a sudden I see a cow 80 yards in front of me. Like, oh crap, here comes a five point. Five boy chases his cow by. And I'm like, now I'm getting paranoid that the herd's like to my left, which would be downwind. I was like, that's possible that they, you know, did that in the middle of the day sometime. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Like, I hope I didn't screw this up. So like, I just sit there and I'm like, I'll just wait till something bugles. Like, I don't want to bump this up. Well, <laughs> I'm sitting there and like, I don't know, four in the afternoon. And I look on the ridge and like, here's the bull. Like, he's just running up this hill by himself. And I'm like, oh, there he is. You know, <laughs> I'm like, ta-da. So I'm like, oh, heck yeah. And I drop in, I go over there. And so I get, there's this little knob and this knob is covered in this like sweet pea. Uh, it's like a brush. It's like tumbleweed type thickness, you know? So it's just loud mm-hmm. and waist deep. And as I'm going up this hill, I'm like, how is this ever going to work, dude? Like, there's no way, right? Like, how am I going to get close to this bull? Like, I'm like, I'm going to have to call him in. I was like, well, maybe he's by himself. So all this is going through my head. As I'm crashing the top, I get to the top, almost to the top. I take off my, um, you know, my kind of like take off my Bose case and I took off my gators and I like get to this. I'm like, I'll just get, there's grass to this little clump of trees. I'll get to that trees and like, maybe I'll just wait till he bugles and figure it out. So I get to these trees, kind of set stuff down. I was, I was, you know, being sneaky, but I didn't have my boots off or anything. And I sat down and I was like, I could kind of set up here. Oh my God, this is not ideal. I'm like, what, you know, and I pull up the glass, I start glass and, and here comes a cow, like hundred yards coming at me, you know, out of the trees. I'm like, okay, is this just an elk? Is it like the herd? We don't know. So this elk feeds out, she gets to about 80 and she's feeding there. A little bit of time goes by and there's kind of a dip between me and her, but she's about 80 yards. All of a sudden the calf comes out behind her. I'm like, okay, like could be herd, could be random cow calf, who knows? The calf comes and the calf looks like it's going to walk right to me. I'm like, Ugh, that's not ideal. Like I haven't said anything, but this calf starts walking down this little dip towards me. And all of a sudden the bull comes flying out of that dip between us and like chases this calf. This damn bull was 50 yards from me that whole time, 10 minutes. And like, I had no idea. I just happened to walk right up on him and he must've been the wide open. And I was like, Oh God, and, you know, like right there. And so I'm like, crap. And I, I like, so I don't have an arrow knocked like dumbass. Uh, and so I was like knocking arrow real quick. And I'm like trying to get up more where I could see him. Cause he went back in the dip and I'm like, so I'm kind of creeping forward, creeping forward, but I still got a cow at 80. 
And, uh, and all of a sudden, like to the left down the draw, he chases this little calf up and just stops. And like, she kind of, the calf runs and I'm like, you know, first instinct was like, oh, that's in range. And I go to range and like, I'm in the sweet pea stuff. He's in the sweet pea stuff. And I'm like, I'm trying to get higher and higher and like get a range, get a range. And I'm like getting 24, 24, 26, 24, 26. I'm like, you know, I'm like just trying to hit him in the head or something. And I finally get it. And it's like, uh, it was 81. And I was like, too far. And I was like, dude, I got this. I've been shooting six inch groups at 80 all, all summer. I'm like, I'm dialed. Like Sean and I just had this conversation. We were shooting at a house. We were, dude, we were dropping bombs at 80 and it was like both shooting tight. And he's like, and he was like, man, 80, 82 is like my number. When I see an 82, like that bull's dead. And I was like, I was laughing about it. And then in my head, I'm like, dude, I got this 82. He's standing there. Just nothing. Right. And probably in retrospect, in, re- in retrospect, that bull would have came closer. There was another cow out there. Like, I, I think in my head, I was like, I'm never going to get a shot in this, in this area. It's too loud. Take, take what you're given right now. This is perfect. No wind. And, and his dad's bull, right? His dad, I mean, dude, everything about this. So I'm like, take your time. So I take my time. I get up, kind of get comfortable on my knees. And like, so I'm, I rushed the range, you know, like I can't get it. And I was like trying to get, trying to get hurry, hurry, hurry. And I get that and I draw back and I just like, dude, everything felt perfect. And I watched that arrow. I just saw fletchings, you know, like, you know, when you do, and I smoked the rock behind him. I'm like, Ooh. you know, just like, what did I do? Oh, sure enough, no. he takes off and he doesn't even like spook that hard. He runs back up and he gets to where that cow was. He's at 80 now. And he's behind a tree and all this. And I, I wouldn't have shot at 80 when he was like on alert, but it's like, and I, I stand up and I look at it and I range, he was 70 and that rock, I like oh. rock pile behind him. And I think it was just a rock sticking up right up behind him. And like, so it, you know, like it'd be one thing if you're hitting the hill and all that hill was the same, but I think there was just like a, a, a outcropping of rocks and I caught that rock and didn't double check it and i was like dude i just you know and in retrospect i'm like gosh that was a gimme dude the bull was 50 yards from me for 10 minutes and i just it happened uh, <laughs> you know? so i was like damn. oh i needed that oh i needed that you know and just dude the whole next day i was like no pity parties no pity parties and i was like oh, just just crushed morally crushed and i was like trying to like just not think about it not think about it so long story story, I spent like a day of pity party and looking, looking for him, never saw him again. Uh, and called in bulls, you know, and then I start calling in bulls and, you know, it was good. It's kind of over it. I was like, all right, get back to work, get back to work. <clears throat> but it's still deep down inside. I was like, dude, 350 on dad's birthday would have been like the creme de la creme. Like that would have been. Yeah. It. Yeah. So what was it? Then Thursday, I find another bull, like big bull probably in three fifties and you know, I start working in on him never really got a shot, but got close, chased a bunch of elk and I had a blast. Like I was, you know, it was in, it was in it, right? Like there was elk screaming and I was chasing. It was like, it felt like the old days. And I was like, this is cool. I'm chasing three fifty bulls on my cloud. Now. So I'm kind of back at it. And Friday morning, uh, I'm like, okay, this is where they were a the day before. Like I got this figured out now. Right. And I get there and <laughs> like, uh, made a move on the wrong bull, which I, you know, I just seen them the way they were coming and it was, like, oh. and then all of a sudden this five point run, this cow runs literally would have been, ran me over. 
and the five points chaseners. It was awesome. Bull bugles. I go over this hill and he's like right there. He's coming towards me. And it's like, you know, they're dude, probably mid three fifties bull. I'm like, great bull. Like this is done deal. Don't say anything. He's kind of going left and he's going to just skate out of range. And I threw up my decoy, but I never said anything. So I threw up my decoy and then I, I, I had to like stop. I had to get it change directions a little bit. Cause otherwise you're just going to walk out of range. I cow call a couple of times. He screams, he comes closer and just like, I loop up and he's got the decoy. He's, I can tell he's watching the decoy and I'm like, all he's got to do is come left. And he was probably at 65 at that point. And like, was, if he would have kept where he was going, he was going to hit, you know, 55 probably. And I thought I had it dude. And then I, you know, he kind of ends up going the other way. And I dogged this bull for probably an hour and a half and it got so close so many times. It was just epic, dude. Loved it. It was, it was awesome. Even though it never worked out, I was under a hundred, probably three times, you know, and then finally, I think he caught movement or I think he saw my shadow because when he bolted, like I could see my shadow on the hill and I was like, I don't like that, but I don't have an option. And, uh, you know, and he, he couldn't have never smelled me, but he bolts and he barks and I was like, I'll just back out. Anyway, long story short, I was, you know, I was super stoked chasing big bulls. Like my dream was always a chase three fifties and here we are. So I work back to the truck and bull bugles pretty close to my truck. I'm like, gosh, that seems like that could be the same bull, you know, but I don't really know for sure. And this bull is going towards where I had seen these group of cows. So three days earlier, I spotted a group of cows like nine 30 in the morning and they go out in bed and the super open stuff, no bull with them. Next day they do the same thing. I text you that. Okay. So remember I text you this like small six and I was like, he's tempting me. Yeah. <laughs> he was out there with these cows. And I was like, man, I'm going to leave these cows because eventually a big bull is going to show up. Well, needless to say, I think I'm like this bull, that could be the bull. Cause the, when I was chasing him, he was kind of by himself. He like went with a couple of cows for a minute and then he just kind of went his own way. So long story short, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go check on those cows. Like all, you know, I've been kind of checking them on every day, but this time I want to get out there and, you know, so I go and I get to this glassing knob all midday or so. And, you know, glass them up and this bull's out there bugling. I can't see him anywhere. And he's not with the cows for sure, but he's kind of in the same area, but I can't ever pinpoint where he is. And, uh, so I'm moving around finally, like I move around and pff, right there in front of me, you know, he's like bedded on the, on the edge of a park in a timber pocket. And I'm like, but I can't see his horns. You know, I just see, I can see good frame. Don't know how to do it. I have no idea how big he is. And, uh, so needless to say, I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like, I'm going to go shoot this bull. Like I had a crazy week. This bull's getting narrow. So it's is probably two in the afternoon. And I see him. I was like, let's see, just double check. See, you know what the wind's going to do or whatever. And so by three 30, the wind had kind of settled. And I was like, I've, I'm like, okay, let's go. So I put the stock on and dude, I start sneaking in and I, I must've been being sneaky. Cause I got to like, I'm sneaking up and I'm like, I picked it out on Onyx. I'm like, I'm going to get to here. And you know, that group of cows was pretty close. I'm like, he's going to go to those cows. Like that's going to, it's going to happen. Well, I start sneaking in and all of a sudden I see a doe antelope at like 30 yards, dude. And I'm like, <laughs> like just giving the international signal of please don't fuck me on this. <laughs> and I'm like, I just start backing away and I don't, that was the only time in my life I've never, I've spooked a herd of antelope and they never said a thing. I didn't hear them. They didn't hiss at me, nothing. And I was like, thank you. 
So I slip in that they must've taken off. Cause I like, I backed out a little bit and I saw one kind of go through the trees and I seen this buck, like what's going on. You know, they do it, dude, they like got out of there and didn't spook him. So I sneak in and, uh, so I keep going, keep going, whatever. And I get, get close, get close. I'm like looking for him, looking for him. I see this bull and you know, he's like 80 and I'm like, there he is. And like, um, dude, he had switched directions on me. So I'm like, I'm watching his like nose and his eye and like, you know, like feel like it's super close. So I'm like, every time the wind would pick up, I'd go another 10 yards. The wind would pick up and I'd go another, cause he would be like dead calm. And then all of a sudden you'd get like a little gust and then like 10, 20 minutes go by, get another little gust. And I was like, every time the wind blows, I'm going to go a little bit more. Alrighty, quick interruption to tell you about a gigantic giveaway that we're doing right now. So right now we're giving away a Weatherby Backcountry 2.0 rifle in 338 Weatherby RPM. This thing is awesome. And to top it off, we're putting some Maven optics on it for you. We're giving you a Maven optics RS1 rifle scope. This whole setup is like the perfect backcountry elk hunting rifle. It's a 338. It's got serious knockdown power, but total rifle setup is less than seven pounds. It is lightweight and it's going to put some elk down. So this is the meat getter, man. This is a super sweet rifle. It's got the Peak 44 uh, stock on it. This thing is legit. I absolutely love it. Uh, and some really sweet backcountry setup. It's a $4,000 package. If you want to put your name in the hat, just go sign up for our elk hunting course and you'll be automatically entered to win. Now, if you've already taken the course, then you, all you have to do is go leave a testimonial. Leave a testimonial. That's all you have to do and you'll be automatically entered in as well. So go check out this. Be sure to uh, get your name in the hat for this pretty sweet rifle giveaway we're doing. So I get to, I think 65, but I can't tell for sure. Cause you know, when you're like looking at something that close, you're like, is he right behind that tree? Or is he like 20 yards farther? Kind of hard to tell. And it was just a yeah. good angle. And from where I was, I was like, I could get closer, but I'm going to lose two shot opportunities. So like from 65, I have this lane. And if he goes out towards those cows, that lane, the problem is if he goes a little bit that way, it's not the end of the world. Cause I can still close that gap, I think, you know? And so I'm like, just, you know, dude, I'm there for an yeah. hour overanalyzing every opportunity there is. Right. And, uh, yep. but I'm like, if I stay here, I got this lane. I was like, if I don't have a shot from here for sure, I can make a move <laughs> if he goes these two directions. And by this time it's like by six o'clock, he still isn't up and the cows are all up They're 500 yards away from us, like just all over this hill. And I'm like, he's going to go over there. Like I got this. And, uh, if he goes towards the cows, it's going to be probably a 50 yard shot. I'm like mine. And, uh, so anyway, he stands up finally and he stands there dude for another forever, like 10 minutes. And you know, it is like, okay, here we go. Here we go. It's <laughs> like, okay, not, not here we go. <laughs> he literally stands up and goes, just pushes his way through the brush behind him. Like the, the one way he couldn't really go. Like he just snap practice like through the trees and like stands there for a little bit i'm like dude what the heck and at this point now i'm like okay now the way he went it's a little too far and i was like i didn't want to say anything because i know if i call and i, I was we'll get to this on your bowl because i was like if i call he's gonna stop at best maybe i get a couple steps out of him but he's not gonna come in like there was cows across right. from him. he was watching he didn't go to them so I'm like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. So he goes up and he kind of goes through that one lane. I thought I was going to shoot, but I'm like, he's just, I, uh, it was too far. It was like, you know, it was, and it was only like 75, but I, it was like, it's not going to work. 
And so, and he's just moving slow, but he's like, now he's making his way kind of around me this way. So I, I start sneaking, you know, barefoot, I'm sneaking up, sneaking up. And I crest this hill and I could see his antlers. And I like, I'm just looking at the timing and I'm kind of going towards him. And I'm like, if he stop, if he stops right here, I'll have a shot from that tree, but I'm five yards from the tree. And so like, yeah, yeah. And I cow call and he stops and I can just see his antlers looking towards me and I scurry up five yards. And as I'm coming to this tree, I'm ranging that tree behind him. I'm like, I am ranging him. I am ranging him, you know, in your head. So I, I get up and I range him. Oops, sorry. And I, it's, you know, 60 yards. Perfect. Come down, come back and I draw. And so like, you know, it is the shot clock in your head is like, hurry, hurry, hurry. And uh, so I get 60. And of course the sun is like right behind him. And like, I can't see, I'm like, I get a silhouette essentially. There was no picking a spot. I'm like 60 pin and 60 is my sweet spot. I shoot 60 like the most out of any yardage. So I'm like, this is a chip shot to me. And I was like, boom, shoot. And as soon as it went off, I was like, it's good. It's in the box, but I feel like it might be a touchback. Like just, and I was like trying to replay it in my head a hundred times over. I couldn't see the arrow. The sound wasn't like rib cage, but it wasn't like guts. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay. Then like replaying in my head, replaying in my head. And, um, you know, he bolted out of there and instantly I was like, just back out. Cause a lot of this is like the whole situation was like, he's in this tiny little timber pocket. And if he makes it out of here, he's in sagebrush for miles. And it's like, I just don't, you know, like once they get in the sagebrush, it's super difficult. Were you in, were you near private land? No, not really. Um, not really. That's good. No, I mean, it's a pretty big BLM chunk. So it's like, not like uh yeah it wasn't bad um so anyway i'm like just back out but super glad i did i back out and ironically uh saw another bull that night definitely could have killed much much bigger anyway long story short is like i kind of worked around all night i'm like glassing glassing like trying to pick him up um anything just looking to where he was i back out dude I, I was up at like 4 a.m i couldn't sleep so i just like head in and i get to uh i get to where i shot from and it's like still pretty dark like i can't really see and so i'm like you know trying to range it like see what it was and everything looks farther in the dark so i was like actually looking at the wrong tree i shot from so i go on this like i'm like i should wait i should wait and i'm like looking for you know looking for marrow looking for blood i'm like dude i don't see a drop i don't see a track i don't see anything i'm like you know how it is. You're like, oh gosh, oh no. And uh, so I like loop back. I was like, check the tree again. So I checked the tree and then like, now it was, you know, a little bit more lighter. And I'm like, oh, that's not the tree. It was over. Yeah. It was over one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so classic, you know, like, and I go to that tree and I'm like, oh, tracks. Good. So I see tracks and it's dude, just garbage blood trail. Like it's tiny, just drips every like 10 yards, couple drips. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, okay. Maybe we'll start bleeding more, mate. No, no. And this takes me almost an hour to kind of work through that first maybe 50, 60 yards. Now I start getting a little more blood uh, and that goes for a little bit. So then I'm like, okay, okay. Now I got it. And then he, you could tell he stopped. He turned and I totally, then, you know, they're not running. So it's like, okay, now the tracks get real hard. So it takes me another probably half hour to figure this out. And by this point, I'm like, you know, just that sinking gut feeling like, oh, God, damn it. You know, 
and I hate to start gridding already, but I'm like, okay, I think he went, you know, this way, but I'm, I'm following these tracks. I'm like, this has got to be him, but no blood for, you know, 20, 30, 40 yards. And I'm like, it's gotta be him. Can't see anything. So I actually just made a one little small loop. And like, sure enough, I was like a hundred yards from him. He went 200 yards, laid down and was like looking back, you know, towards where he came from and pretty wide open. It wasn't like he bedded down in a pocket. He must've been hurt pretty good. Um, and I do think I caught some long, but, uh, you know, he bedded down on his back trail and found him right there. It was all good. I think I, I think I found him at, I don't know, probably eight 30. You know, it was oh, sweet. In- so you didn't lose anything. Or- no, I didn't lose anything. No, I took some quick pictures, opened up. I, the first thing I did was rip the back legs off and oh, fold them open. And like, and honestly, yep. like he wasn't even that rigored. So I, I think he was alive for, you know, five or six hours. Um, mm. because like I could still move his head for pictures. And usually if you find them rigored up, like they're stiff as a board. So yeah, I think he died after midnight. Dang dude. Well, I, I, I know I texted you this, but it was just like, that's a part of the skill set that you just like, we're talking about, like the tracking, knowing when to back out and stuff like that. It's like, I think with elk hunting, especially that's one of the hardest parts is to know what the right thing to do is. And I'm never and always back out. I do. And I, yeah, this comes from experience of, of, you know, going in too soon. Like, and I get it, dude. Like you're just like, Oh, I'll just check the arrow. Oh, I'll just, Oh, there's blood. I'll just fall a little bit. And dude, we've all made this. Well, we haven't all made this. A lot of people have made this mistake where it's like you start tracking blood and then boom, you bump him, dude. And it's like, it, it gets exponentially harder after you bump them. It's like, who knows, you know, cause once they, once they stop bleeding, it's almost impossible. So it worked out. I'm, I've never had to do it. Probably should have a few times. Um, you know, and I think about that last year, like I waited an hour or two and who knows, you know, it's hard to tell on that bowl. You just never know. But, um, but after last year, it was like, dude, after you lose one, like, oh my gosh, the gut, as soon as I shot, just gut wrenching, dude. It's just like, uh, and then like, you just start to question it. And like, even my, I was talking to my wife afterwards and I was like, I know it's good. I know it's in the box. It just like, dude, the PTSD of losing a bowl, just like your confidence is garbage. And then like you, as soon as you shoot, you're like, ah, it's over. You know, I'm just like, wow. I'm like, I know it's good. I know it's good, but yeah. Yeah. So it was a hell of a week, man. Um, I'm stoked about it. The whole thing. I don't know. Like uh, it was a good week. I needed to kill one to like, just prove I had it to maybe to myself, you know, like, like, oh, I still got yeah. it. Um, uh, but I did, dude, I took, I called in, there was one day, one day that I didn't have a bull in range that I could have shot. That's fucking, that's pretty cool. That's super fun, man. And that's one of the things I think I'm, starting to realize now is when you're chasing these bigger bulls and you're spending all day within hundred yards of elk or 150, 200 yards of elk, you get way more action. You get to like actually see how these elk are interacting. It's like, even if you're not screaming in their face, like you're getting the freaking rut like every yeah. single day. It's just totally different though. Cause like when you're calling, like it's, it's definitely more exciting, right? Like it's, you know, yeah. you're chasing elk, but you know, usually it's five points and small sixes and, you know, being around those big bulls is just different. It sometimes yeah. you just got to like, you know, sit back and watch sit back and watch. And that that's tough. Yeah. Well, regardless, uh, I know like he doesn't necessarily hit your goal mark, but he's a dang nice bull, man. He's a good bull. 99% of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's 99% of folks would be stoked. So get on you. That's the sweet bull. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it was, um, it wasn't, it wasn't the same bowl. It was definitely not the same bowl. I ended up chasing, but you know, Hey, um, for anyone interested, this course three twenty one, which is a great bowl. Um, yeah, I wasn't gonna, I, yeah. Anyway, I'm stoked about it. Like happy, happy season bummed. It's over. Wish I could go longer. Wish I could chase big bulls, you know, like all the things, but at the same time, like it was good. It was fun. Yeah. I was trying to get you to kill that one that was under the truck. I was like, Hey, meatball, you've got two other tags. <laughs> I did shoot a meatball. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> get out of here. Oh, that's uh, funny. Yeah. So it was good. Um, lessons, like, I don't know, like there was a few things I thought about, um, while I was hunting that I was like, man, these are really good. Like lessons, like going back to day two, when I called in that bull, you know, that, that situation man, I feel like it was, te- it was so textbook. It was like, okay, bulls are bugling. It was, uh, I think eight 30 or nine in the morning. And, you know, I slip in super close, never said anything and just set up, do some cow calling. And I didn't bugle for 15 minutes or so, you know? And so like, you know, instead of just like going in and bugling and whatever challenge bugle or whatever, like I absolutely love seven to 15. I, I love that time frame. Cause you can call bulls in so easy, dude. Like it, like when it works out, it works out so good. And I was thinking about that. Like they weren't the biggest bulls I was calling in for sure. But like, even, I don't know, I had a 350 bull that like, I think I could have cow like could have called in. Like I wouldn't say call in it's call over. And that's a huge difference is like, you're trying to move these bulls. I'm not trying to move them across the drainage or across a huge thing. It's like, I'm trying to like, they're going this way anyway. Let's just like, Hey, come, come check this out real quick. And you know, so there are bulls you can definitely call in, but like that seven to 15 time frame is like, man, these bulls, like they're moving anyway. It's like, they just come right in. And like, I had so many opportunities like that where it was like, and a lot of more bugled right in. And so like, I, it was really open country and I still called in three different six points and another two or three, two, probably three, six points and two, five points somewhere in there. So dude, I, it seems like that time frame is still underrated. Everyone wants to go the 15th and on, right. Cause that's when all the bugling is happening, but I, I'm finding that too. It's like these later, you see like later dates, it seems real hard to actually get something to come over. Yeah. And it's like, the, there's two factors. Like I, everyone gets wrapped around the axle about the moon phase. I don't really care. I get that they like you have shorter windows when it's early and they shut up or whatever. But at the end of the day, like you're not trying to, you know, call a bull away from multiple cows. And even if it's a satellite, you're not trying to call a bull. That's like, man, the party's over here. Why would I go over there? You know, like he's just focused in on that. So these satellites eh, this time, at least last week, it was like, there's random satellites and they're still trying to figure this all out. You know, they got nothing else to do. There was kind of just elk everywhere. And so like every, I would, get bulls to respond, get bulls to come. It was just like, man, absolutely way easier to call elk in that, in that time frame. even though they're more vocal later, it's like, it's harder to get them to move, try to get them to do things that you want them to do. Whereas that early season, it's just felt like, man, they're just moving all over the place. They'll come right in, check it out. Lots of opportunity. And they acted yeah, like they'd never like seen that. a human before. Like that's like a huge difference. It's like, you know, some of these elk will be like, ah, oh, man, you know, like you could, the, when I say the shot clock, you get in the red zone, a callable in uh, that seven by that came is a great example of this. Like 
that ball comes flying in and stops. Like, I think he saw me cause I was trying to get a video of him at 10 yards and he's like spooks out. Well, then he comes back, you know, and then he's like still looking at me and he stops at 30 and then he just keeps coming. And then like, I'm taking a, you know selfies with him in the wide open and he kind of spooks and stops, comes back at 45. And it was like, man, if this was September 28th, that bull would have seen me at 10 and been in the next County in like 30 seconds, you know, and just like, this bull was like, Whoa, what, what, you know, like, what was that? You know, just not spooked yet. So. Do you think this last like two weeks of September, uh, it's going to be more important for people to like those who don't have fancy tags, more important for people to get to the, like the far to reach places, the hard to reach stuff that people haven't bugged the elk in. Is this like when it really matters the most to do that? I don't, I don't necessarily think that. I think there's a lot of downsides to that. So I would rather spend time like covering ground and finding elk. And then if I run into those elk, like I think about Idaho a lot when I talk about this, because places I've hunted in Idaho were very much, you know, I would always go late because that season ran longer than Oregon. And you get into some of these elk that were just gun shy. Like you say anything and they gone. If you get into those type of elk, then maybe go to different elk, but like not, that's not to say that every elk is that way. Like you'll still get ones that are huntable. It's just some of them have been messed with, you know, and if you get elk that have been messed with all year, I just don't, I don't know that it's worth like trying to backpack in and, and see, you know, elk or whatever. You know, that that's the tough part. It's like, it's kind of a balancing game. It's a balancing act. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Right, dude, that's I want to I... hear your stories now. So back up. Okay. You're on big bulls. I don't know how far back you want to go. Uh, last time we talked, you know, you were scouting, couldn't find anything. Then you find a big damn deer and you had to go kill it. And I told you it was dumb. Uh, and then you had a sheep tag, you had to go do that. And I'm like, okay, back to elk hunting here. So now you're like finding big bulls or what? You, you weren't supposed to say anything about the big deer, but whatever. We'll, we'll, oh. we'll return to that. <laughs> that's now, that's now the 20. Uh, never mind. I didn't post it. I didn't post the real, real big one. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this is this is why this is Patreon here. Um, yeah, dude. So uh, I found the giant deer. Is the moral story in one of the spots that I had seen bulls. So to be fair, I was looking for bulls when I found the deer, <laughs> and uh, and so I went to go hunt that buck that morning, and a freaking helicopter was spraying like the field, like it's just spraying the land side, like the landscape around it. So I was like, okay, well that buck is just bedded down and not going to move. So it was like midday. I was like, well, let's go check out a spot where I can glass up these bulls that I saw earlier. Um, there's a good, like, you know, like three twenties type bull that I was like, yeah, it's probably be worth seeing if you can't turn him up. And when I went to that other spot, I glassed up the buck I ended up killing that day. I found him just like bedded in the sagebrush. He got up, rebedded, and I snuck in. And this is kind of interesting. This this experience is trying to change my approach to shot distances because you're talking about this. So I sneak in and I'm like, if this buck is bedded there, I'm gonna be at 50 yards. That's my that's my chip shot, right? Like 50 is my zone. 60 is like my 80 for you. It's like 60 is where I'm like, all right, gotta be perfect, right? So this buck feeds out and I'm behind this rock and I range and he's like right at 60. And I'm like, all right, there's no kneeling shots here. Like just, you know, take your time. He's feeding. He doesn't know you're here. 
And I even like looked at my quiver and was like, you know what? I've got one mechanical in here. I'm going to slap that sucker on. Uh, Cause I've got so much time. It's like, I'll just, you know, make a good shot. I'll be over. So I stand up and I got all the time in the world. I even wait for the wind gusts to die down. Shot broke. And I was like, Oh, drilled him. And I sat back down and I was just like watching him through my binos. I'm like, Oh, he's going to tip over. He's going to tip over. He runs out 250 yards and there's just blood pouring out right behind his front shoulder. And I was like, Oh, smoked him. All right, buddy, come on, tip over. And then a couple minutes goes by and he lays beds down. And I'm like, okay, no big deal. No big deal. Like he'll just lay his head down and he'll die right there. Right. And then 20 minutes goes by and he gets up and rebeds like 20 yards further away. And I'm like, Oh, well, maybe he'll die in that bed. <laughs> and then he gets up and he beds 20 yards further again. And I'm like, Oh, that's not good. And so he just gets up and then beds uh, every 20 yards for the next hour and a half. Um, and I'm just watching him get further and further away across the stage flat. And I'm just like, Oh no. At what point are you like, ideal. I need to put another one in him. So I couldn't because like, it was just a sage flat. Like he was bedding in the flat, like sagebrush country. And so I knew he was hit hard. Right. So I was like, he wouldn't be bedding like that if he wasn't hit hard. And so I watch him eventually go up and over this hill and it's getting later. It's like six 30 or something. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to back out. I know this guy who's a dog. He's got dogs for tracking. And we call, I call him up and they're like, yeah, let's run the track. And the next morning I was just like, yeah, you know, he's probably dead right over that hillside. Like we'll just run the dog up there. It'll be fun. We'll find it. So as we're wa- leaving the truck, I go, Hey guys, do I, uh, cause I brought a couple of buddies to help me pack him out. Right. Cause I was so confident he was just dead right over there. I'm like, hey, do I have my release on my bow? And they're like, uh, no, you don't. I was like, no. It's fine. It's fine. We're going to find him dead. No big deal. Uh, so I leave my bow in the truck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I leave my bow in the truck. And sure enough, that dog just like crushes the track. It was like, we were trying to verify the dog, but we shouldn't have. We should have just followed the dog. So we get up over that ridge and a couple yards later, like a couple hundred yards later, we bumped that buck out of his bed. And this deer is going like five yards and then bedding down. He could like barely walk. He's like super weak legged. And it's just like, but this is like 830 the next day. And I hit him at 4 p.m. the night before. Oh, my goodness. And he's still he's still alive. And I'm and I'm looking at it. and I'm like, dude, there is literally blood coming out behind his front shoulder still. And I was just like, what in the world is going on? So uh, I let the guy, the guys who came in with me, they're like, well, you got to get your release. So I was like, okay, watch this buck for me. I'll go home, get my release. I ran home and I couldn't find my normal release. So I grabbed my thumb button, like practice release that I use all winter. And I run back out there and uh, I, they sent me a pin. I got into like nine yards of this buck as he's bedded down i stand up to shoot and his whole body isn't actually exposed when i stand up to shoot and i kind of get frazzled and i loose an arrow with that thumb button release and goes through his back strap and i'm like god jesus christ so now there's two arrows in this deer and he's just like barely hanging in and i basically ran up to him to 20 yards and then just finished him off right so that was a that was a that was an absolute shit show and that was your first arrow 
so I, I, we did a whole autopsy, right? Like we were like, what in the hell happened? CSI this thing. Yeah. So that brought the arrow went in like five inches or something. And if it would have gone all the way through, there's like no way that it wouldn't have just like hit his heart. Right. But it went in like five inches. And so he was bleeding a lot out of it. And he had a bunch of blood pooled in his chest cavity, but it never got into the goodies. It was insane. So Dude, five um, inches is halfway across the know, gear. What, how does it not hit lungs or something? I, I like on a 3d no target, mark. is this an eight, a 10 or a 12? It's probably a 10. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't hesitate to hit a deer there again and think that it wouldn't work, but it's a little lower than you want, but definitely like probably 10 rings still. Was it because it was mechanical? That's the only thing I can think of. And let me just back it up by saying I've got a 26 inch draw and I'm shooting kind of a heavier arrow for what I've got a 70 pound bow. So like my arrow is going like 250. It's pretty slow compared to what guys like you or Sean are shooting. Right. For sure. So that's the only thing I can think of. So now I'm a little like gun shy about these like longer distances, especially on elk. Yeah. Uh, like you said, it's it's that it's that confidence game that like you can't really you gotta work through it and I don't know that there's a quick fix for it, right? Totally. Totally. So uh so then a couple days later, so we worked that buck up. It might have even been the next day. I uh I love this hunt so far because I can glass bulls up from my truck. I'm like I cr- I hunt my crocs until I find a bull that I want to chase. <laughs> yeah it's super fun so i find this bull and i like watch where it goes and then i'm like i get some friends and i'm like hey let's go call this bull in Uh, a couple of them are new hunters so i wanted to like let's just go see how this goes it was like the fifth or fourth of september we creep into like 200 yards uh my collar bugles behind me and the whole herd just starts marching towards us. There's like 20 elk just marching right at us. It was the craziest thing because we we're in the cedar. So you could see it all happen. And I was like, oh, shit, this is going to happen. And I ranged the cedar tree in front of me. It's at 40. And so I'm like, sweet. If that bull comes in front of the cedar, he's getting whacked. He's like a 300 inch bull. Like he is nothing special. But I was just like, you know what? Like if this is how it goes down. It's how it goes down. Right. And so he walks up he walks up at like 51 and I range him and he's got my wind. It was just like the classic, like they circle downwind. And I'm like, if I'd wanted to like let loose a, an arrow at 51, like I probably could have, but I was like, yeah, it's just like, I don't need to kill this bull on the first day of hunting this tag. So, right, right. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, that was fun though. Um, but it was interesting. They never bugled to our calling, but they all came in anyway. They came in quiet. Yeah yeah huh. um yeah so that was that was cool uh i did you know kind of just like i glassed another morning and didn't chase another 300 inch bull and it was just kind of like i uh glassed up 16 bulls in one morning oh, wow. and then i went and then i went to work <laughs> and then i came back out in the evening and uh when i came out in the evening i tried to call one bull in i just kind of muffed it up i got too close to the cows before i set up the call and then i caught went back around the different parcel and i called a bull in i didn't shoot him 
And then I was like, okay, well, maybe I should go back to the spot and stock because this whole calling in thing is just like, and it just doesn't feel as assured as if you like just sneak in on the bull you want to kill, right? Yeah. And that's like, so it, it's different when you get into big bulls. And I think it's worth noting for, you know, the listeners, like, so yesterday or the day before you found a big bull and you're like, ah, should I call or not call? I was like, don't call. Like treat it, treat it like a 170 bug. And what I mean by that is don't, I think one of the mistakes I made for a few years was like assuming that big bulls are different or harder or like, oh, don't, don't screw it up. Right. And the one thing I've learned is like, they're just other they're just elk right like they're just elk and it, if, if as a mule deer guy you're like oh if this is a 200 inch buck you'd be like oh shit don't screw this up right but if it's a 170 buck you're like yeah it works out it works out and that's how you should treat it mm-hmm. because at the end of the day like if you overthink it you're gonna make mistakes and if you underthink it you're gonna you know make mistakes it's that sweet spot where you're like well i gotta gotta try a little bit but like i don't want to overthink it that's how you should approach a lot of these bulls is like, just, just go in there and kill the damn thing. Like that's all there is to it. Right. Like don't overthink it. And that's kind of what I told you. And I was like, just definitely don't call. Like it's not going to help you maybe, maybe in some circumstances, but by and large, like if you find a big bull and he's with cows, like just put the calls away. Like, you know, assume that if you call, you're going to stop him. Like I did or you're going to get him to move like around a tree and like, but that's a gamble you play of like, I won't get another opportunity at this. So like back to the bull, you know, my bull stood up and I could have cow called, but I wasn't confident that I would have a shot when he stopped. And I knew that it was game over from there. It wasn't like he was going to walk a little bit and I would cow call again. And then, you know, I'd get another opportunity. It's like, I played the card as if I have one chance to stop this bull and shoot him. I will play that card, but it's got to be the right moment. You know what I mean? And so in the same way, when I was telling you the other day, like, I was like, treat this like, yeah, you can call and you can stop him. And, you know, and maybe if he's super hot, like he'll come over a little bit, like say I move in and he's at like 80 and it doesn't appear. It's not, it's not obvious that the situation is going to have another opportunity. Like they're going to move away or something like that. You're like, I'll play that card and maybe I'll get him to come over 10 or 20 more yards. But like, that's the end of that game. You know what I mean? Like, so, so just food for thought. Now, granted, someone's out there like, Oh, this one time I called in a bull and he came a thousand yards. I believe you. I hundred percent. It has happened. I just, I'm super selective about when I play that card. Uh, And so, you know, you have to just be cautious about it. And, you know, if it's like, Hey, it's a hail Mary, you know, I'll throw a hail Mary. Like if, the bull's moving away. It's like, man, the might as well set up and call. Maybe he'll come over and it might work. And if it doesn't, you know, maybe I'll still have tomorrow, but like I play that card sparingly, if that makes sense. Yeah. That makes total sense. Well, I really enjoyed like, so I had seen some, a bull on, on Saturday evening. I tried to move in and they got on the private and I was like, okay, no problem. So I came in on Sunday morning and I was like, uh, I checked that spot. I didn't see those elk. I had seen a decent bull on a different field and I knew where they were going for the day. And in route to going back to that bull, I stopped and glassed one set of cedars and was like, Oh, there's a cow elk. There's a cow. And I was like, Oh, there's going to be a bull in here somewhere. And that's when I found that good bull. And I was like, I called you up and was like, Hey, do you, uh, you want to virtually hunt elk with me today? <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like, and, yeah, sure. And I think that's like how it's going to lay out for you. The rest of the season is like, once you get those couple herds, you're like, okay, the bulls are going to mix and match like that bull's going to leave. And, and I could be wrong. He, he could stay there, but like 
generally speaking, like, like, oh, big bulls just randomly show up. Like, I figure last year, the last couple of years, I didn't find bulls until October. Last year, I found that big bull October, or sorry, September 23rd. And so, like, a lot of times you just like, oh, who's that? Where'd you come from? You know, and that's kind of how the rest of the season probably, you know, was it? Yeah, it's the 19th. So, you know, random bulls could just start showing up. So now it becomes like, here's the cow groups that I know what they're going to do. And hopefully I just keep checking those and a big bull shows up. That's why it's like killing big bulls is more of a patience game. It's just a matter of like, you know, being in the right spot, at the right time, enough days that you're like, Oh, big bull showed up. I know exactly what they're going to do. Hopefully I can slip in and get a shot. You know, that makes sense. My favorite part about this whole situation is in the open country. If there's 30 cows, and you know where they, you can glass them up from, you can find them in the middle of the day. So right. like, yeah, you got to be at first light at this glassing knob. But I mean, you have all day long, you can be finding elk. It's pretty sweet. And that's the bull uh, I killed. I mean, I glassed them up at like two or three in the afternoon, you know, I was like middle yeah. of the day. And it was because I knew a cow group there in that area. And I'm like, okay, like there's got to be a bull with them, right? Like he wasn't really with them, but at the same time, you know, like he was, he was parked close by. So it's funny, like we talked about this on previous episodes when we were talking about an approach and what scouting does. Like, I mean, scouting for bulls has been kind of helpful to know what's in the unit. Not super, but kind of. But having the bait, you call them bait piles, the bait <laughs> piles of cows to do a check, dude, it makes me so efficient. Like considering all things, it's just like, you know, boom, boom, boom. I've got like a loop I can drive in an hour, then check four herds of cows. Right. And I mean, the nice so, thing is like you're hunting close enough to you that like you can do that, you know, every day or whatever. And, and that's the tough part. Yeah. It's like killing big bulls on a seven day hunt is pretty tough. Cause like they just don't exist sometimes. <laughs> so like, yeah. you know, like you, know, you think about like, you know, Sean or Lucas or one of those guys, like, yeah, they're hunting so many days. They're not covering a bunch of ground. You know, they're, they're really kind of like, they hone into their couple of areas and they're like, okay, when a big bull shows up, you know, I gotta be able to make it happen but it's a waiting game for most of it. And so like, that's kind of, I mean, it's not nearly as fun. Like granted, I, I get it. Bugling elk is, is pretty fun, but like this, I feel like this caters cause you've been spending a lot of time mule deer hunting. So it's like, this is a lot more like hunting mule deer, honestly. Yeah. You told me to do it. Like to treat it like the 170 buck. And I was like, bro, I got this. Like, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it actually, it worked out just like that. So that night I watched that bowl and I knew, I knew this, I knew better too. So it was just from the deer hunting side of things. I watched them bed down at like 10 30 or 11. And I kept, I kept going, maybe that's their afternoon bed. And I was like, no, 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 no. You got to wait till like two o'clock. It's not their afternoon bed. Right. I had that internal monologue with myself and you back and forth, back and forth. I was like, is that is, cause he was in a spot. I could probably kill him. I know and, he was, uh, uh, he was like under that rock. And I was like, dude, if you can get there before he moves, like, that's a good spot. But at the same time, like, you know, it is those AM thermals are so screwy. Yeah. So you're like, you're risking it a lot. <laughs> so I'm so glad I didn't go over there because the, the directionals were coming over the top of the ridge and they were bedded in the spot where it's just a washing machine. Yeah. It was just like flat. It was just sitting in the back eddy. Yep. And, yeah. uh, so anyway, right at like the, so first of all, the rancher came up and talked to me, uh, cause they're bedded above his place. Yeah. And he came up and talked to me. He's like, so which one are you looking at? The the wide one or the narrow the narrow six? And I was like, I don't know, bro. Like, here's a photo <laughs> of him. He's like, Oh yeah, that's the smaller of the two. I was oh, like, Oh really? Oh. 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Do tell. <laughs> yeah. So, so is he high uh, number or what? No, he just, I mean, he just sees him out of the backyard, like in the yeah. pasture every morning. Yeah. You know, he actually, he messaged one of my buddies and was like, Hey, I met, I met your friend who's got that tag and, um, tell him if he needs help retrieving a bull or if it goes on my place, I can help him. I was like, yeah. Did you ask him? I think the words, he doesn't like let people hunt in his place, but he also like in his message was like, I just would hate to see one of the bulls go to waste. So I was like, so I'll take it for sure. Um, Uh, When does your, when does your, uh, when do you send a rel into a rifle tag? October 1st. Yeah, yeah yeah so so anyway i uh i waited till those bulls rebedded or to the whole herd rebedded it was like it was like 25 cows and a couple spikes and then the, the bull the big bull and i waited till they rebedded they rebedded at two or one thirty, and i just motored around snuck in and i just like waited till the wind got right i was kind of got a little close and the wind was a little eddying still and i backed out to like three o'clock but I was only 300 yards from these elk. I just was in the safe zone, you know? Can I ask you a question? Am I the only one that when the wind is kind of going the wrong way, you like lean backwards, like that's going to affect it? You're like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I totally have done that. Like on a slope, you're just like, no. You're like, ah. like, the, like when I was sitting on that bowl, like every once in a while I get that drift, I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that helps or not, but uh, so anyway. <laughs> By like four o'clock, like these are pretty shit. It's a shaded hillside with how many rocks and and cedars are on the hillside. And things started, the directional and the thermal switched earlier than I thought it would. So that was kind of nice. And so I started creeping in and like I spent from 4 p.m. until 7 p.m. within 100, 150 yards of the herd. And I just kind of was waiting for them to make a mistake. And um, by the end of it, I had like, got to like 86 on the bull he's raking a tree and oh, another cody lesson stand up and yeah. run at him another cody lesson came in my brain i was like just go get him just like run at him and my i look off and like those cows are like 70 yards from me they're like right there and it's probably like 86 how hard like, is he raking so how hard was he raking really hard dude yeah, it's a I bold should've... move. It's a bold move, but I think you could have got away with it. Like, damn to be the cows, just run out there, dude. Like, he would have had no idea. Like, yeah. you only would have had to cover, what, 50 yeah. or 30 yards to get yeah. into your sweet spot. Yeah. Dude, that's a, uh, yeah, you probably should have just like literally. I mean, I don't know if I would have ran or if I would have just like started walking and like been ready, you know, with my range finder. Like, with your range finder in your hand, just like waiting. Yeah, dude, I just like start walking. I don't care who's watching. I don't care, like whatever. If he stops, then we got a problem. You know, like his little rake and whatever. But if he's going ham, I might even sprint it, dude. I might have just been like, I would range 30 yards in the grass and been like, I gotta get to that leaf. And then just fast as you can go, like, and try to get like, dude, you can cover 30 yards. I mean, you're not you're not a fast guy, but <laughs> yeah, I don't got long legs, but I could have got there. Hey, 30 yards. I think well, you can cover that in five seconds, 10 seconds. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it it totally was like I it was screaming in the back of my head, like, do I send it or dude? You should have yeah. sent it. You should have just ran 30 yards. 
So um, he, so those cows, basically when they were off to my right, they were feeding down back to that hay meadow and they were feeding into the wind, right? Just like they do. And so they went over the rise and then uh, the bull was following them right behind them. And I tried to like, as soon as they got over the rise, I like sprinted to try to, I was like, oh, he's going to be right on the other side. And I pop over the other side and it's just like a sea of cedar trees and I couldn't see them. Yeah. But the, but the cows picked me up as soon as I came over the rise. And so yeah. then they, they started barking at me and were freaking out. And I was just like, yeah. So then I, uh, so then I stood still like a statue for 10, 15 minutes. They kind of calmed down. And then uh, I made one more move and they, they fully buggered out there after that. But have you been back? Are they like back to routine? Or are they full on checkout? I haven't looked. I took yesterday off, but I'm going to go back this this evening. Yeah, I'll be curious, dude. You should have just full sent it, man. Like when a bull is raking, like if he's going ham, like it's it's a get out of jail free card, dude. Like you can do whatever you want. Like the world That's could so collapse funny. around him, and like he like literally, you could just run his cows off, and he'd come out of that raking the tree, like, hey, where'd the cows go? I have no idea. Like so, <laughs> I feel like dude, thirty yards. You should have just like trucked it and smoked him. Oh. Well, you know, it was, that was a really good lesson that you had taught me before, or you had told us about before. I don't even know if I was on that podcast or if I was or wasn't, but anyway. I've said uh, it multiple times. You can get yeah. away with murder when a bull's raking, like just run. Like I, I don't know how many times, like just run. <laughs> like you could have been at 150 yards and like, literally like he starts going, if he's going ham, like I'll just run. I don't care. You know, spikes, like spike could be right next to me. I'm like, we're this thing's going to grenade, you know? And it's like, you're kind of risking it. Cause like, you're going to blow it up, but it sounds like you blew it up. anyway. So like, what's yeah. the difference? <laughs> there was a part of me that like, I obviously really want to target a big, the biggest bull I can find, but also another part of me that has had so much fun, just like screwing with elk that I just yeah. was like, send it, you know? Dude. And then like, this goes into like, I think why I, got so much experience or got so good is because they just didn't care like being a big bull hunter and like that's not caring like i just don't care if i screw it up so there was so many times throughout you know 20 years of doing this it was just like let's see what happens you know <laughs> like just i don't care if i bust an elk it just doesn't doesn't matter there's another one around the corner you know and i was like i think that new hunters often you know put elk on a pedestal of any caliber and this is the same reason i told you like treat him like a 170 buck like i didn't tell you treat him like a 200 inch buck because you'd be like oh god and yeah. so in the same way, so many people, they treat these elk like they're on a pedestal where, you know, going back to even the last week, I called in so many bulls. I took five different selfies of elk that were in bow range. And it's all because I just don't give a shit. Like I just, I know I don't care, you know, like if it blows up, it blows up. But when you have that confidence and that like, you know, risk it a little bit is like, it's, you can be aggressive, you can make it happen. And like, man, that is how many times I tell people you got to be aggressive it's all about tactical maneuvering. Right. And that's, um, I want to do an entire podcast on tactical maneuvering. Cause I do think that's super important. Uh, yeah. and I was thinking like, so Nash said it in a post the other day, or, and he was posted online and I was like, man, I need to get James on. We could do an entire podcast on this because as I was following that bull, uh, Thursday or Friday, whatever it was, I was like, man, there's so much in tactical maneuvering, like how you get a shot after your fault, you just dogging these elk there's a lot to learn there, but you'll only learn that by screwing up a bunch of them. Like you only learn that by doing and like, 
I mean, tactical maneuvering, like sprint, like, right. Just sprint the ball and he's raking and get it done. So I don't know. I, I mean, you'll get him like, and also back to this rancher telling you there's a bigger bull, you know, is that bull just not in the cows yet or what? Like, what's he doing? He might be just yeah, out by himself. That's kind of what I'm thinking too, is like he, there's a big one in there somewhere and um, an even bigger one, you yeah. know, like the issue I'm going to have to contend with is whether or not like one of these nice bulls, but not giants, like gives me a shot before then. <laughs> so, I mean, that's dude, it's going to happen. Like chase big bulls long enough and you're going to run into more satellites than most people ever get a shot at. I'll tell you that a yeah. hundred times over. <laughs> So right now, and this is a question for you, just like based on the phases of what elk do right now, it seems like the majority of nice bulls have a herd of somewhere between eight and 15 bulls or 15 cows. Sorry. And then like the, this one bigger bull had 30 cows, right? Does he eventually just keep amassing more elk or like more no. cows? Or is I mean, that's about how it's going to be. It's super hard to say. I, I believe that the cow groups stay with cow groups. They do get split off, uh, but I think it has less to do with bulls. Some areas you'll see them get bigger. Like you'll see groups of 50, 60 by October. And then in some areas, like it gets down to like eights, you know, like, like it goes the other way. I've seen it go both ways. So to say like, I don't think there's a rhyme or reason on how many get stacked. Maybe it has to do with like, number of bulls that actually can challenge a harem like in theory that makes sense on paper but i don't know that i've seen enough information to like back that you know so right. i've seen it go both ways so i wouldn't say like and this is the other thing it's like you're like oh the bigger bull has 30 and the smaller bull has eight i'm like yeah that makes sense on paper but that's not the reality like the reality is, is like they're gonna they go there tonight and it could be a 260 bull with 30 cows you don't know and like that big bull just walked away like why would he do that who knows? <laughs> like he just does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, that happened last year. I had an absolute giant and, you know, he was kind of running his harem. There was bulls, giants that were satellites. Right. And you're like, oh, this is it. And then you come back the next week and it's like a 260 bull. And you're like, what happened? Like even the satellites aren't running. it. The satellites were a hundred inches bigger, you know? And so it's like, I don't understand it at all. That's all to say, like, don't overthink it. Don't, like it doesn't really matter um the big bull could buy him that like the in your area that big bull could just be by himself like he's close like but he doesn't really care right he probably knows you know like eh, it's not running super hard he's gonna wait and you know like i always say i like to say big bulls aren't super smart they're just lazy and <laughs> that's why they don't get killed i i do think there's a lot of truth to that so like don't think he's that much smarter assume he's just a lazy old bull that like doesn't really care. <laughs> and like you know, when there's going to be a day he's going to, you know, maybe take over that herd. Maybe he won't. Maybe, you know, I found plenty of big bulls. Um, that year, was it 2020, I missed a giant bull and, uh, that bull had like three cows and, you know, it was maybe a 300 inch seven by seven that had 40 cows. And it was like seven by seven, it's very small seven by seven. He took these cows, there's satellite screaming. It was chaos or whatever. And I look over here and here's, you know, a 360 bull, mid 360 bulls that's got three cows and you just hang out by himself. He don't care. You know, and so like, yeah. it doesn't mean that their size is how many cows they have. He just chooses what he chooses. That's pretty, that's good. It's always like uh, the old wives tale. It's just like what you were commenting on related to the moon phase. It's like, you just haunt them, dude. Yeah. Just don't, yeah, just haunt them. Don't yeah. they overthink it, right? Don't overthink it. 
And same thing. Like I would go look for that bowl. Um, it's just worth noting that, you know, when you're like tonight, you out there tonight, don't just look at the group of cows and the bowl that's with them. Like there's other things going on in that micro climate of like, is there a bowl that's bedded off by himself? Uh, it's easy to get distracted by the 40 elk, the, you know, screaming bull satellites. And you instantly assume that's the biggest bull in the area. He's got the harem, right? That bigger bull could be laying over there by himself or with two cows. So don't just get that laser focus on, oh, this bull is the herd bull. Like I hate like the whole herd bull thing because that changes so much throughout the season. And it's definitely like, doesn't mean he's the biggest bull in the area. So I just thought it was worth noting like, oh, ranch said there's a bigger bull. Make sure you keep your eyes out, man. Like that bull could just be better by himself in, a, in like yeah. ironically a super vulnerable spot. Like he may make a bad decision, you know, and that bull is going to be easier to kill because he doesn't have, you know, 60 eyes around him with 30 cows or whatever. So food for thought. That's helpful. Yeah. There's a lot of interchange between like, there like these three herds that I keep checking. So I'd imagine like, it makes sense to me based on what you're saying that like you could go to one of the other two herds and find that same bull in one of those other two herds the next yeah. time. Right. Right. Yeah. And a lot of yeah. times these big bulls, like they do tend, like it depends on the area, but a lot of times a big bull, he gets around the run of the muck. Right. So he could choose like, if there's no bull that can challenge him. Like he may just go in and out of herds. Like he mm-hmm. just does whatever he wants. And this is why you see bulls that they just leave in the daylight. They don't, they don't tend the herd. Like they go in at night when they're down in the field. And then by before the sun ever comes up, that bull, peels off and goes by himself you know one of these satellites is going to take the herd and all you know is that like that herd bull is a 320 bull and you're like no he was a satellite 10 minutes ago you know and like so this dynamic shifts a lot so we're thinking uh one thing i want to cover uh one of the tech i've gotten a couple text messages uh throughout season people always ask me what to do uh one of them was i was like oh that's that's good i wouldn't have thought of that but um Patreon asked me, he's like, Hey, found a bull with one cow, you know, I bugled. He didn't answer. Like, it just seemed like he was going the other way or whatever, you know, should I cow call or should I bugle in this situation? Generally speaking, and this happens a lot, especially in the, you know, like just say one to 15 range, you know, this is a, it's an ever changing dynamic. We just talked about this, but the same thing happens at a smaller level. Like a cow may get peeled off or whatever, by one bull that bull wants nothing to do with you like he just found gold right like he's a satellite he's a very small bull that just got lucky and he's with a cow right at any given moment that cow could just choose to go back to the herd like he's not controlling the situation and so like a he's not going to beagle to you he probably doesn't want to come to a cow call he's got what he came for you know like he has no desire uh you might be able to calf call and get her to come to you maybe not. Um, and so like a lot of times, you know, that can be a kind of a difficult situation is like neither one of them are going to come to you. Uh, and so like, you know, the best you can is try to get in, maybe you can do some calf calls. It's a good time to try that. But at, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, this elk's probably going to go back to the herd. This cow is going to go find her girlfriends, right? Like that's where she wants to be. Sometimes they peel off and they'll just be by themselves. You know, this early season, Great example that big bull I was on, the herd just kind of all went in different directions. That happens, right? Like it doesn't make sense on paper, but that's what happens. Like they just go wherever they want to go. So food for thought. And if I see a great example is as I was going in that night, I missed the big bull. I see a cow go by and a five point chasing her. You know, do I assume that he chased her off the herd or to the herd? 
you know, and this is a great example. It's like that cow went embedded a satellite founder in the middle of the day and the, you know, cow was headed back to the herd, right? Like, and this was, I don't know, a thousand yards away. Like, so it's just like, just because you see an event that happens in the wood, don't assume, don't put purpose to it. Like sometimes it's just an elk, you know, randomly in the woods. Uh, and like, that's what I was trying to tell them. Like somewhere near there is a herd of elk. I would be focused on trying to find the herd because that's where she's going to go and he's going to end up, you know? And like, and so like, it can be difficult just to go after that, you know, lone cow or lone bull. They're all looking for the herd too. Like generally speaking, they're going to get back together and like do that thing. So yeah, I don't know if it was kind of to answer a Patreon's situation, but I thought that's really applicable. I bet a lot of people run into this. Probably more people have questions about it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I was uh, I was also met texting uh, Sam Davis because he killed a good bull in the open country. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, quick question, Sam, like, do you like have a system once you get close on an open country herd or do you just kind of like wing it? He's like, dude, you just get in there and you just figure it out. You know, it's just all creative. <laughs> it's, all, was like, it's all tactical maneuvering though. Like it goes back yeah. to like, that's, it's all about tactical maneuvering. Like you got to get close. The other day I told you like, well, you were like, I'm going to back out. I was like, well, stay in striking distance because if you're not in striking distance, you, not much you can do. You know, usually you can be out of the wind, but in striking, that's just tactical maneuvering. And yeah. a lot of it is that just what you said. It's like, you kind of just got to figure out, go in and kill that bull. Don't overthink it. Just try to out, outmaneuver him sometimes it's going to work sometimes it's going to not that's bow hunting like it don't overthink it just get in there and try to make it happen yeah i went on and listened to a recent uh brian barney podcast and he was like dude i just love getting in there close and then chasing the same bull for three four five days in a row i'm like oh shit like so one evening of me getting kind of close like that's nothing you know what i mean like that's just that you're just scratching the surface and that was a uh, put things in a good perspective for me. And I think something that you talk a lot about is like eight days didn't feel like a whole lot, you know, no. like, so for all these people who are trying to make it happen right now, it's just like, you got to change your mindset. Totally. And you know, like you're going to get close, uh, you're gonna like screw it up and that's fine. You know, like with the big bulls type situation, it's always, uh, you're, you're trying to keep the game in play, you know, you're trying to keep the game in play, but you're also trying to close the deal. So it's that balancing act of, you know, you're in that situation, bulls raking, I might be able to close this deal, but I also might blow it up and screw up tomorrow. So like, you know, a lot of these big bulls is like getting to striking distance and hopefully, you know, uh, they're going to make a mistake or you're going to see an opportunity. But the last thing you want is, you know, you're two ridges away and like, you're looking through the spot and you're like, oh, they just made a mistake. If I was there, I could capitalize. You're like, well, I can't do anything about it right here. So it's just a matter of like, you know, get close, try to keep that door open, but also I still got to play the game tomorrow. So like, you know, just I'm waiting for that mistake. And that's most of these guys that are killing big bulls in open country, you know, they're just waiting for that bull to make a mistake and they're within striking distance. They're going to make it happen. And this doesn't change a whole lot. Even if you're chasing any elk, like the end of the day, go find a herd of elk and try to get close to them. You know, the only difference is, is like you have six different opportunities because we're six bulls running around and I only have one because I'm only looking for that bull. So like all you have to do is and I I preach this all the time be like just try to hunt herds like cool you saw a satellite that doesn't mean a whole lot because that satellite's going to go off and look for the herd. So if you're just hunting the herd, 
you're going to be around satellites all the time. And like, you're going to have a lot more shot opportunities. And oh, by the way, that's the skill you need to learn. And this is, dude, I preach this all the time about like cow hunting. Like you want to go be a great elk hunter and go get cow tags and hunt premium units. Go try to chase down big herds and spot and stock the lead cow. Like, because guess what? It's the same damn thing to kill the bull. You just have to wait for him to come by instead of a cow. Like it's the same thing. Same thing. I love that, man. Um, okay. Final question before we hop off. Uh, this is a real technical that I was freaking, I had angel and devil on my shoulders being like, do this, do that, do Do you take your shoes off? <laughs> I did. Um, I took my boots off when I killed my bull. I was barefoot. Almost took okay. my pants off, but it was, you know, I figured I could leave those on. <laughs> Okay. Well, I was, I was glassing up a bull, uh, Saturday, the day before this whole interaction and a uh, snake slithered out of the rocks next to mm. me. And I was like, Hmm, not going to take my shoes off. And then after that, all you I think, could think, do you think shoes are going to save you there? <laughs> you the shoes was the difference. Now <laughs> I'm invincible. I have sneakers on like what? <laughs> Point proven. All right. Uh, I did step on a cactus and I almost screamed out loud, which can ruin a stock, but uh, I did. <laughs> It's always a matter of like, here's the problem is I've taken my shoes off and ended up a mile and a half away. And that's a bad deal. So like the question is, do you keep your shoes with you? Uh, and, you know, I think that's just like, you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah. I, so on this last stock, stocked in, this is super technical, but like, I was like, I want to get 150 before I take my shoes off, you know, like, so I got pretty close. Um, and I was like, I think I'm about 100 to 150 right now. So I was like, I dropped my pack. Drop, and just like, it's quieter, dude. It's to me, I'm like super noise sensitive. Uh, man, I feel like crunch. It was super loud uh, Friday. Like there was days this week. It was really wet. Every morning was super wet. It felt like the ground was quiet. I could leave my shoes on. So in the mornings, like, you know, getting back to technical, the morning I killed that bull, I was chasing a different bull and I had my boots on the whole time. Like I'm dogging this. I know I'm going to end up somewhere else. I even have my pack on. Usually I take my pack off and that's it's its own bad decision. But in my, I just am a lot more comfortable without it on, but I didn't take my boots off obviously because the ground's wet. It's morning that night. It dude, when the wind wasn't blowing, it felt so quiet. And it was just like every, you know, crunching every step. And so I was like, yeah, definitely take shoes off. I mean, would you take them off on a 170 buck? If you were stocking a buck, you'd take your shoes off. Yeah, I did. I, sh- I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So why would Good it be any different? It's not. <laughs> That's why you couldn't close that 30 yards because you didn't have shoes on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think that basically what we've just said is like at different levels of uh, of hunting, everything is a mule deer hunt. And that's the that's the lesson I'm taking away. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> you would take that from that. Oh, that's funny. No, the lesson is is like mule deer is so much easier than killing big bulls. So <laughs> who cares? <laughs> uh, I will say it. So I've people have I've talked about this a couple different people. It's like elk, you can get away with a lot until you don't. And with deer, I feel like you can get picked off earlier but they're by themselves. And so if you're, if you're clean, you're like, you can clean, get into there close and kill them. Like you don't have as many eyes. You know what I mean? Eyes. And it's like, yeah, elk are big noisy creatures and they make their own noise, which is really convenient sometimes, but they also like, 
that whole herd dynamic, man, that's a lot of eyeballs. Like imagine mm-hmm. 60 oh. mule deer. Like, yeah, no. Or sorry, yeah, 60 no. eyeballs, 30, 30 mule deer. Like, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. Hmm. All right, man. All right, man. Good one. Good stuff. Right, go kill a bull tonight. I'll work on it. See ya. Later. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Wapiti Wednesday. If you guys have questions that either we didn't cover in this episode or you just like to see in future episodes, be sure to drop us a line at info at richoutdoors.net or be sure to join the Rich Outdoors Insiders Group on Facebook for more information as well as some really cool gear giveaways. Thanks for listening, guys.